I'm Henry Lin. I'm Antares Janeri. And welcome to Better Worlds. Better Worlds is an exploration of badass people doing really cool things. The more we know about this world, the better we can do in changing it. The amount of comfort we have in this country comes from the fact that we have readily available power. Lots of places in this world don't have as consistent a power as we do, and we take it for granted. But we also take for granted the amount of work it takes to keep us power. When looking at the world, we're in a power game. So if today we could somehow get 30% more power across the United States without increasing our footprint, it would be a huge win for us. If anything, we'd decrease our footprint a little bit. You know, it, it's everyone's got to pitch in a little bit in order to make this this thing come together. We have a very special podcast today. With us co-hosting is none other than former guest and climate optimist, A.T. What up? Hey, guys. So today we are going to be looking at a very, very interesting solution to a very large problem. As we all know, fossil fuels killing the planet. There are over 1.46 billion cars uh, on the road today worldwide that are emitting trillion tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. In order to replace all of those with EVs, it would likely take 10, 20, 30, 40, who knows how many years. There needs to be an interim solution. And it just so happens that one has been developed. Emitless is a climate change company focused on making the internal combustion engine compliant with the global effort to reduce CO2 emissions by 25% by 2030. With Emitless, carbon is displaced in cars by up to 55% and in diesel trucks by up to 30%. The technology is installed in a self-contained unit called Hydroboost. Emitless creates green hydrogen for immediate consumption by the vehicle's engine. The energy needed to create the gas comes from the vehicle's existing battery and power supply. So effectively, somebody on the podcast today has developed a unit that goes onto the back of cars and trucks and creates green hydrogen in order to make cars significantly up to 55% more efficient. Wow. Jonathan D'Agostino, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. It's an honor and a privilege, goddammit. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how this incredible technology works and why it's not absolute bullshit and backed by science? Very good question. Um, so where we started was uh, on an invention that really came about in the 1880s by uh, Mr. Faraday. He came up with the electrolyzer and figured out that there was a way to separate water molecules, which are two H's and an O, and develop hydrogen from that. That um, sounded like a Jay-Z lyric. Or, okay. <laughs> so you're, you're using a science to split hydrogen, uh, to split water, excuse me, into hydrogen. Split water. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And we're producing hydrogen and oxygen, as does come from water. Um, but what we found a way to do, which was not available probably in the 1800s and, and probably not even the 1950s, is between proprietary power management uh, use of a proprietary electrolyte and a catalyst, we can condition a water-based solution that is 99.9% .9 water-based that runs through our HydroBoost unit, and it creates a very effective, very stable, and consistent amount of gas while the engine is running. 
And Henry, you're 100% correct. You know, we are adding this device into, or in this case, in the engine bay of the car right now. Uh, it does not touch any componentry of the engine. It needs power and it needs a line into the air intake. Otherwise, it is a completely self-contained unit. We have tested it at SEMA, which is uh, an EPA certified laboratory. We actually took a 2017 Ford Ecoline Explorer, tested it under the same protocol that it was tested by the manufacturer, federal test protocol number 75, uh, which incidentally is basically the little pink, the little sheet in the window that you, when you buy a car, it says your fuel economy and all that expected stuff. Right. That's FTP 75. We ended up beating what Ford and the EPA had come up with. Our results were substantial. We reduced total hydrocarbons by up to 72%. We reduced methane by up to 70%. We reduced nitrous oxide by 30%. We reduced carbon dioxide by uh, measured in this in these tests by up to 12%. Wow. And we've saved fuel while doing all of that. So it's a um it's kind of a unique solution to a really complex problem. Uh, but as you said it is an intermediary solution. We want to get to a zero carbon world. We want to get to zero carbon, zero methane by the way. Methane's almost worse than carbon. It is worse. We want to get to to having a clean environment and we want to be able to pass this world on to future generations in better condition then we got it. But um, to get there, we have to take incremental steps, inch by inch, life is a cinch, yard by yard, life is hard. Uh, well, we're going inch <laughs> by inch right now, and we're trying to, not to sound like my dad, but you know, we're trying to make incremental change. You definitely sounded like your old man, it was good. <laughs> uh, so incremental change is our striving goal. Henry, as you said, there are over a billion cars in the world registered. But in America, as of 2021, there are 253 million registered light-duty vehicles and 13 wow. and a half million registered heavy-duty trucks. So by capita, by, by mass, we are some of the largest users of oil and gas in the world. And because of that, we need to make the change here quick, effective, and cheap. Um, so fuel savings is part of what our product provides. Uh, our product has, in our minds, it needs to be beneficial to all the users. It needs to be able to pay back in, in financial terms the commitment to becoming a green uh, trucker in this case or a long haul distance trucker in this case. You know, we don't want this to be a mandate that only costs more and puts more stress on small business. We are looking for our product to help small business by using less fuel, saving money, and making a cost-effective product that allows people to embrace it, not just on a one and two basis, but wholly entire fleets will, will be able to use our product and reduce their carbon footprint and their fuel consumption substantially. Can I just ask for you to really specify what happens in the vehicle and the engine? Because I'm not someone who's super into cars or understandable of this world. And maybe some listeners aren't either. So like what actually, how do you help reduce that? So traditionally, let, we can just talk about a gasoline-based engine. It's a vapor fuel traditionally. So what happens is fuel is sprayed into uh, the engine where the combustion happens. And in that combustion chamber where the piston is, there is fuel, there is 
oil to lubricate the piston, and then there's oxygen added into that in order to facilitate the burn. What we do is we add a hose that provides our gas directly into the air intake of the car. So when that oxygen gets mixed into the combustion chamber, now a bit of hydrogen is being added in there, as well as some extra oxygen, which facilitates a much cleaner burn and actually provides more power from each individual you know, explosion, micro explosion, more power is created. And our fuel savings are actually a result of that extra power. Our extra power is about 30% to just be an even number. And if you continue driving your car at the same rate as you were before at 55 or 60 miles an hour, your engine would be working 30% more efficiently than it was before that. So in essence, using 30% less power to gain that same speed. Um, now, if you floor it and you want to go 110 miles an hour, you'll use up some of that power and you won't have as much fuel savings. That makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and uh, how difficult is it to deploy the technology? How difficult is the install on the various vehicles? So uh, as we speak, uh, my engineer is building uh, a bunch of test commercial prototypes, if you will, where our electrolyzer is the size of two iPhone 13s and the rest of the componentry fits into uh, a six by three by six box, I believe. So our, our goal, I mean, we developed the technology on a large scale years ago. Some people believe that you should spend, you know, 20% of your time developing something and 80% of your time marketing it. We've spent 100% of our time developing this to make it small, usable, practical, efficient, and non-toxic. So um, we haven't spent any time marketing at this point. We're just finishing, I think, what would be the end of 12 years combined effort of research on this product. Wow. Can you just explain very briefly where the H2O comes from? Like, What's the operation day-to-day -day for the average user of the product? Well, today we create, um, so for the, the truck units, uh, we have our, um, our Hydro Boost unit on a long haul truck right now. We have it on a, on a short haul truck as well. Um, the short haul truck actually runs 20 hours a day, three shifts. So filling uh, the solution is actually relatively simple. It does require a process today. Um, we are working on using 100% non-potable water to create the base of our solution. But right now, the way this works is one gallon of our solution offsets about 500 gallons of fuel consumed on a diesel truck. And during that time that the truck is burning and using its traditional fuel, our gallon of, uh, of solution is slowly split and fed into the air intake. During that process, you know, we reduce the solution the longer you drive the engine. And after about 500 hours, another gallon is needed to be filled up. If our unit for some reason runs dry, it does, just turns off. It has zero explosion risk at this point. <laughs> we've, we've tried. It, it doesn't want to explode. And it's been extremely effective uh, when traversing through the United States from hot into cold climates, from sea level to going over the Rockies, we have an onboard system that takes all environmentals into consideration. 
and adjusts hydrogen output based on temperature, load, speed, uh, and other external environmentals. So out of curiosity, where do I get the solution? Today, uh, we're, we would have to deliver it to you. So um, part of, so here, let's go with the challenge and the solution. The challenge is there are 13 million long haul, heavy duty diesel trucks out there that have traveled in 2021, you know, 300 million miles. You know, something outrageous to that degree. And I'm probably even understating it. And they've consumed 44 billion gallons of fuel while doing it. You have to remember the average long haul diesel truck is only getting six point some miles to the gallon, 6.5, 6.7. So it's an extreme consumption, if you will. But it's a necessary consumption because we all like Amazon. We all like getting stuff delivered. We like having food in the grocery stores. You know, we're, we're kind of accustomed to this way of life. So challenge how do you allow 13 million trucks to maintain their tonnage, their load capacity, and continue delivering goods and services around the United States without A, either encumbering the time or B, reducing the load? So our solution is to initially target truck fleets um, with engines past 2016, 2017, we're looking for more modern engines because engine manufacturer has already reduced a substantial amount of carbon coming from those engines, and we can reduce a substantial amount more. So that's kind of our push. Now, how do you get our solution? If you're part of a fleet, we're sending it in five-gallon drums and, and things of that nature. We are talking with a couple, and this is a little bit of a side, but we are talking with a couple of oil and gas providers, one national company in, in particular, and we're working with them to devise a test on a, a giant engine of theirs. It's a you know, 16 liter power generation engine. And our solution would be created on site, dosed on site and consumed on site. So we are looking to make a completely self-sufficient solution for large stable engines. Currently for moving vehicle engines, we have to rely on filling it up. Is there a way to increase the one gallon to two gallons? Like, what are some of your workarounds? So on a on a truck, we're putting uh, three to four gallon tanks on there. That gives them plenty of time to traverse the country. Yeah, we're trying to make it so that every eight to 10,000 miles, you might have to refill our solution rather than every 2,000 miles, let's say. But that's all just a function right now of, you know, we are a small startup. We haven't spent a lot of money on design or any of that. We've really spent all of our dollars, our precious dollars, on making this a feasible solution. So now we are working on extending capacities. Uh, in the future, we would love to reclaim water directly off of any engine. Air conditioning units are a great place to start reclaiming water from it. But you have to remember, anything we do on a vehicle or on a truck, they're so well-tuned uh, for consumption of power so that they're not wasteful, that the more power required to produce our solution on board ends up meaning the engine has to work harder. So at the moment, if we are able to just fill the water in, all the engine is really doing is accomplishing the, uh, the electrolysis process and running some pumps and some control boards, uh, which is a really not a heavy load for that engine. I just want to plug because I think um, 
as individuals, as consumers, as citizens, we tend to always think about, you know, what's my direct footprint and direct impact. And we look at our own cars and we look at our own homes and we don't really think about the fact that every time we go to the grocery store, every time we order something online, there's also a piece of our individual individual footprint, right? Um, things have to be shipped around. We're accustomed to a certain world, like you said. And and trucks, you know, trucking around all these products and 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 goods to us, they need to continue like continue to do so um, if we want to con- ex- continue to exist in this world that we have created for ourselves to a much lesser footprint. And I think also what you pointed out and handed what you said in the beginning, we can't just rely on electrifying the entire fleet because that could take years. And also there's a lot of minerals involved in creating the batteries and trucks need such huge batteries to be able to do that just to begin with. So for me, I keep hearing about hydrogen and green hydrogen is like the the gold. Um, I think I heard something in Europe this summer. What did they say? It was like renewable energy or uh, electricity is like butter, but hydrogen is like cheese because you can store it <laughs> and it's like that middleman where like it can be contained and you can preserve it for a while um and we need that too and and it's not just looking at one solution that's going to save us all we have to look at all the solutions and especially recognizing that there is a shift that needs to take place right now we have to transition from this world into a new world and how do we continue to bridge the gaps in that shift um and that's i just want to kind of like point that out because this is such important work and maybe work that we don't really think about as individuals because we don't see the trucks driving around, we don't think about them. But ultimately, that is also where a huge piece of our own footprint comes from. So just wanted to give you a little <laughs> applaud for doing the work because this is truly incredibly important. Well, thank you. I can, um, just on the side, in my younger days when I was a merchant banker and I come from the finance world before leaving about seven years ago to focus in on green and alternative energies. But in my younger days, I worked with a bunch of gentlemen who were uh, heavily involved in coal mining. And I'm a New York City guy. I was born and bred in Manhattan. Henry knows yeah, <laughs> me from, from, from all over the world back then. But what I learned was that the sheer amount of raw materials that are used would be mind-blowing to anyone who's never seen it. When you see coal trains that are one mile long and you know that there's a hundred more of those coal trains going to pass this you know this intersection in in a one day or whatever it is you end up seeing that the amount of comfort we have in this country comes from the fact that we have readily available power we are very privileged lots of places in this world don't have as consistent a power as we do and we take it for granted But we also take for granted the amount of work it takes to keep us powered and how many people work really hard trying to do it. Whether you agree with the methods or not, we still rely on it. So when looking at the world, a solution in our mind, and that's how the Hydro Boost unit came to be, because it created 30% more power within an existing engine's combustion, to us, it was a natural idea to follow this path because we're in a power game. So if today we could somehow get 30% more power across the United States without increasing our footprint, it would be a huge win for us. If anything, we'd decrease our footprint a little bit. So fighting that that goal, and it comes all the way to the trucks, it comes to our US post office that's been working really hard 
trying to figure out solutions for their 200,000 vehicles. You know, it, it's everyone's got to pitch in a little bit in order to make this this thing come together. Wow. I think one of the major things to ask um, is what this looks like at scale. Because you mentioned, you know, at least one company producing the solution. But do we see the solution being available at every gas station across the country? And this helping to extend, you know, our petroleum reserves. Um, is this a strategy that the government should invest in and subsidize the distribution of? I would say yes to the government investing, uh, but please, I don't think we have enough time on this podcast for that conversation of working with the EPA and the DOT to bring a new technology to market, or the DOE rather. It's um, it's challenging to say the least. The onus is 100% on the creators. There's very little support, if any. So how do we get, Let's let's just put it this way, how do we get to using this every day? Well, We spent about 12 years developing a product that we would like to find the right partners to roll out throughout the United States, Africa, Asia, Europe, South America. There are going to be a lot of very smart people out there that already have the right footprints, that already have shelf space, that already have installation booths and everything else. You know, look at any of the major oil and gas producers. A lot of them are in that business. And then you can look outside of that to all the third parties that already have existing footprints. Our goal is not to build a new footprint. Our goal is to work with existing companies that already have that footprint, and we would like to maximize and extend the use of that footprint. So today, you're not going to find this product in any gas stations. Uh, Hopefully, in the next year or two, we can get some partnerships going as we bring in some capital to develop this and bring it out. Although I do believe the first adopters will be diesel trucks and working pickup trucks, simply, as I said, because we can deliver solution to those fleets easily without having to distribute across the United States into every little point, every little um, retail store. Okay. This has been an incredibly enlightening and fascinating insight into a solution which can extend this significantly further and be uh, a bridge in a very, very cost-effective way, which is good for both the developing world and the first world. I'm interested to hear, lastly, what you think your growth plans are, because I believe, you know, prior to the podcast, we talked about you potentially doing Reg CF crowdfunding, going to market sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, how do you get this distributed far and wide? Great question. Yes, we are going to we're going to do uh, a fundraise, an international one, actually, probably starting uh, beginning of January, using a uh, a crowdfunding website, which allows us to you know, touch many many uh, investors. For us to develop the product at this point is a question of deploying capital and finalizing an app, an integration system, you know. Little things that are already developed out there in the world, but we just didn't spend the time developing. We fig- we focused on the core technology. Things that I will tell you will be coming down the road. Yes, we'll raise money, and and you know that is a major part of the success of this company. Will be getting funding in the door. I've actually, for the past five years, been doing that myself with the team. We've all been sacrificing. Very few people make a salary on this job, but we're all in it for the right reasons because we all believe that this is the change that's necessary. We are going to come out with some cool things. And when you talk about our future, and this will start probably in about a month, 
we're going to start testing uh, production of disaster relief power generators. We don't need potable water, as I said. With some power and solar, we can generate a lot of hydrogen and we can create a lot of battery power, if you will, using hydrogen fuel cells. We are also looking into developing a EV charging station that's based off of solar and compressed hydrogen. So that way you can store the power regardless of when. And we're going to also eventually look into creating a whole self-sustaining community, uh, if you will. Not that we're going to build the community, but using hydrogen, we can pretty much remove the need for natural gas uh, from a community and almost take them completely off grid. Uh, we haven't worked all of it out yet. It all is based off of the effectiveness of our initial technology. But that's why money is going to be important to us moving forward. We have a lot of people in the maritime industry who want us to devise uh, a desalination unit to go on their boats. And that way they can have constant supply of green hydrogen on their boats. There's a lot of people who are looking for this, but we have to stay focused. Today, we're looking at oil and gas, long haul trucking and commercial vehicles. Those are the ones that we believe will have the greatest impact immediately. And we are open for partnerships in every other area of the world, including those. This is excellent. Is there something in the short term that the consumers can do other than participate in the Reg CF round? You know, that's a wonderful question. Yes, the consumers can actually uh, ask our governmental bodies to be more proactive when it comes to this. Not using names, but I've had many senators and uh, congresspeople not even make a phone call on our behalf, even though we might be their constituencies and we might be in their zones and all this other stuff. There's a lot of red tape in Washington. And, um, you know, if we want progressive change as a U.S. company and everything in this product comes from the USA, even our chips are made here in the USA, everything. So we are 100 percent, you know, supply chain resistant other than you, you our, our local United States markets. And still, We've worked really hard to get people to hear us. And I know for a fact that there have been hundreds of other companies before us who tried to get heard that haven't been heard. And I just think that people can help by talking to their elected public officials, by asking them to, you know, take a more active role in, in helping bring U.S.-based technologies to the U.S. and global markets. Weemitless.com is the website. Have a look, everybody. You know, shoot them a message, give a little hello, and be on the lookout for their uh, Rake CF campaign. Jonathan, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. Really appreciate you guys giving us some airtime to talk about our product. And thank you very much to the Climate Optimist, who has published a new book, everyone. Where can we get that book? Oh, thanks, Henry. Um, go to theclimateoptimist.com, find a book there, or just search your online Amazon store because it's available. Excellent. And thank you again to all the listeners uh, who have joined us on this wonderful journey to figure out just exactly how we can make the world better. I'm Henry Lynn, and feel free to join us again as we explore more of these incredible solutions. <laughs>